0: You sent a nice, simple email and it said, hi, first, really enjoy your podcast. Started listening a couple months ago. I was diagnosed last year in 2018 with an A1C of 12 and a half when I was three months pregnant. Yeah. Unfortunately, due to the undiagnosed diabetes and as a result of the crazy high blood sugars in the early stages of the pregnancy, we lost our baby. So this is incredibly sad. I mean, who gets type one diabetes like right when they're pregnant? Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you would think yeah. that could never happen except Sam. The giveaway I did just the other day was won by a woman who found out she had type 1 four days before she found out she was pregnant. Oh, wow. So, apparently... It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, you can just get diabetes whenever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you know, you talk here a little bit about the loss of your child and, and what you figured out. And then you said, you know, I now have an A1C of 5. Uh, you know, you're in range and you're two months pregnant. So, you call it, you know blah, 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 email goes on. And I think you're just pretty much emailing me to say, hi, I like the podcast and thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I email you back. So here's an idea, Sam. What if, what if you came on every time at like at every trimester and we walked through your pregnancy on the podcast and you, because I assume you're a glutton for a punishment, you have a lot of free time. I'm not yeah. exactly sure what your situation is, but you said yes. So thank you very, very much for that. Hello and welcome to episode 259 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom and Dancing for Diabetes. You can go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing the number four diabetes.com to find out more. And you know what? While I'm announcing things here, if you go to my Facebook page, Bold with Insulin, we just started a private community group where listeners can talk about what they hear on the podcast. So if that's something you think you'd be interested in, go check it out. There are links in the show notes to Dexcom, Dancing for Diabetes, and my Facebook page. Today's episode is the beginning of another series within the podcast. This one should go four episodes, including this one. Today, we're going to hear from Samantha. Samantha has type 1 diabetes, and she is currently 11 weeks pregnant. Unlike other episodes, you'll hear these in real time, meaning I will put them out as soon as I record them so that you can keep abreast of Samantha's pregnancy. So this one was recorded just the other day, and now you're hearing it pretty much in real time. Samantha will be back after her second and third trimester to report on how that's going, and she's going to come back after her baby's born. As a matter of fact, she's even going to announce in the next episode the sex of the baby.
1: Hello, my name is Samantha. I have had type 1 diabetes for a year and a half. I am 24 years old, and I am currently 11 weeks pregnant.
0: Thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you so much for asking. Really nice.
0: Well, it's such a wonderful opportunity to, you know, sort of keep a diary about it.
1: Yeah, and I think as much information as possible out there, because being pregnant with type one is
0: terrifying. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's terrifying even if you didn't go through what I went through. So.
0: Well, let's figure out a little bit about what you went through. You said you were diagnosed in 2018. You were 23 ish yeah. years old, I'm assuming?
1: Yeah, I was right before I turned 24.
0: Now, was this? No, a... right before.
1: Yeah, right before. No, right before I turned 23. Sorry.
0: Right before you turned 23. Okay. So yeah. In the family, complete surprise. How did it. It was a
1: complete surprise. Um, now, afterwards, I think like I had a great grandfather or something that had type 1, but not a family member that I knew or was ever in contact with. So it wasn't really something that we ever thought about.
0: Yeah. So enough generations back and far enough removed from the people we all know really well that you weren't walking around thinking, I wonder if I'll get diabetes one day.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the, the only really connection I had to is my sister's boyfriend has type one. So I knew I didn't, but I still, I still didn't really know about it because I don't know. I didn't have it. So, it was
0: just a thing. I grew up with my, one of my best friends had type one when we were kids. And oh, wow. it was probably two or three weeks after Arden was diagnosed where I remember, when I remember that he had diabetes. Yeah. Just, it wasn't something then that really, he didn't really speak about it that much, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And the management style was so different that you didn't really, you didn't even really notice it that much, you know, because he kind of mm-hmm. just injected insulin twice a day and didn't test his blood sugar and... You know. And that was it. I <laughs> you know, didn't really say it.
1: Yeah. Well, the way the way I was diagnosed was actually a surprise too, because so we found out that I was pregnant and usually the doctors don't have you come in until you're like eight weeks or so. So on that eight weeks appointment, we came in and they did an ultrasound and then they took blood work. But usually for your first Set of blood work, they don't test your blood sugar or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess a mistake was made where the nurse filling out the form on the computer accidentally clicked where they tested A1C like two weeks later because I was like 10 weeks pregnant when we actually found out. Um, I got a call from my doctor like early Monday morning and she was kind of freaking out. She was like, I'm on vacation but I'm calling you because I think you have gestational diabetes and you need to go in to see a doctor like now. And I was like, okay. And so we went in to see a um, high risk pregnancy doctor and she was like, I don't know why you're here. You clearly don't have gestational diabetes. I'm not even sure if these are your blood results.
0: Okay. So, so wh- wh- let me stop you there. Why did she, Why did the second doctor not believe that you had diabetes?
1: She said that because I was thin. She was like, I don't see any reason why you would have gestational diabetes right now. And that's not something that usually develops until later. And since I was so early in the pregnancy, she was like, if you have diabetes, it's type 1. Okay. And at that point, we were like, oh.
0: So (laughs) so this doctor got to the right answer the wrong way.
1: Yeah. But she was still kind of like... she got there. Yeah, but she was like, I don't, like, we need to retest your blood because I don't know if, like, maybe they just mixed up your results with somebody else because I feel like you should have known or something by now.
0: That's um, interesting. Ends up you do have type 1. Yeah. How far into the pregnancy is this? I think we
1: were 10, 10 weeks. 10 or 11 weeks. So okay. it's kind of where I am right now when we found out.
0: Were you at the point where you told people yet or were you kind of yeah. sick into the, well, I won't tell anybody we, for three months?
1: We told, yeah, we, well, we told our family and sure. like we told our best friends. I think I told my work because I knew I was going to have to miss work for appointments and stuff, mm-hmm. but we didn't, that's kind of all we really told. It wasn't like a big announcement thing.
0: Right. You're just the people who, you know, you either really wanted to tell or needed to tell. What is your understanding of the impact on the diabetes on the baby at that point? Like when it's starting to happen and you realize your A1C is incredibly high, does somebody immediately say to you, we have to do something about this right away? Or what's the, what's the initial reaction?
1: The doctor, she, she's my doctor now. And we went back and forth whether we were going to use her again, because she's very straightforward. And like, she just tells you how it is. And when you're like dealing with being diagnosed with type one, it's just a lot, but she like wasn't going to hold my hand through it. So she just pretty much told us most important time for like the baby's development is the first eight weeks. And since my blood sugars were like over 600 or crazy like that. And also when I was first in my early pregnancy, I was craving sonic slushies. We were going to sonic like every day. So I can't even imagine, and I would eat, I was like a carb eater. So I can't even imagine like what my blood sugars were on a daily basis. I'm surprised I didn't pass out or something. But um, so she told us that that's the most important time. And there was a high chance of there's something being wrong with the baby's development. We were kind of just being hopeful because she kind of, there was like a little bit of hope, like if I got everything under control then maybe we could save the pregnancy so i got like really crazy with my diabetes management
0: what kind of technology do you have or what are you using
1: um, well when i first i was diagnosed they gave me syringes and vials and i went home and i started doing research on my own because i hadn't seen an endo yet so i was just seeing the high pregnancy high risk pregnancy doctor so i was doing research and i was like oh there's these things called pens That seems a lot easier. So I emailed my doctor and had her write me a prescription for pen. So I was doing MDI for a while, like through my whole pregnancy. Um, I did that. And they got me on a Dexcom within like a month of finding out because they said it was really important that I was able to see my blood sugars on my phone or just like not have to finger poke all the time since I was pregnant. So I did Dexcom and MDI. And I recently got an Omnipod, like, last October.
0: I'm struck while you're talking about this, about, like, I can remember the pressure I felt, and I understand the pressure that other people tell me about, about the idea of, like, I've been diagnosed, or my kid's been diagnosed, and now I need to figure out how to get this low variability, you know, quote, unquote, as normal as possible, blood sugar, as fast as I can, like, I'm supposed to figure all this out. Yeah. except that it's not incredibly easy to figure out. It's not, like, it's not like you just have to put your ducks in a row and then it just works, right? I mean, we all know how difficult it is to figure out the timing of insulin and pre-bolusing and yeah. you know, the variables.
1: And they don't really tell you a
0: lot. No, and they don't tell you any of that. But what I'm saying yeah. is, is that while all this is coming to light in your life, you're also thinking in the back of your head, I'm assuming, right, like every second I don't figure this out is really dangerous to the baby.
1: Yeah. I, everything I was doing was for the baby. I didn't really, I didn't even think about it being for me until really, I mean, really, even, even after that, like after we lost the pregnancy, it was just making sure my body was ready to have a baby eventually. So I haven't really got to the point where I'm doing it for me.
0: <laughs> I understand. Kind ton of pressure, probably a lot of emotion too. And so when it, when something didn't go the way you wanted it to go with your blood sugar, can you, and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but can you share a little bit with me about what that felt like internally?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, like the weekend after or two weekends after I got diagnosed, we had a, a trip planned to Seattle. So we had, we had gone to Seattle and I remember like trying my best to, like deal with not being at home eating and eating out and every time my blood sugar because I was still having high blood sugars I didn't know what I was doing so when I was like over 200 it was like I remember like breaking down a lot because I was freaking out that I was doing something to the baby and making things worse and it was just it was just a lot of pressure I'm already a stressed out person
0: not only that but it's a very unfair thing stacked on top of another very unfair thing. You know, yeah. and, and then the pressure of these decisions I'm making aren't just now for me. They're for another another thing, another living yeah. thing, you know, and I'm 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 in this situation. Plus plus Sam. And is it Samantha you like Samantha or Sam?
1: <laughs> I like Samantha.
0: <laughs> Samantha so plus Samantha. Thank <laughs> you for saying that. Plus 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 <laughs> Samantha, you put a sonic out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And all these people can't get their cheeseburgers <laughs> anymore and it's really
1: because of you <laughs>
0: not buying the slushies every day. I know. How far into that pregnancy until you had a miscarriage?
1: Um, well, we found out around eighteen like twenty weeks is when they can like do the whole anatomy scan. And we found out that um in her head she had a lot of fluid and I can't think of the word of what that is. It starts with an H and it's a long is
0: it, word. Is it hydrocephaly?
1: Yes. I can never remember how to pronounce it. So I don't even try. I just say she had a lot of water in her head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So her brain was not forming the way that it should have been. And it was like pretty much wasn't forming at all. That's terrible. So about 24, 25 weeks, we lost the pregnancy and we had to go through the whole process. It was a lot.
0: I have no frame of reference for this. Um, and intellectually, all I can say is that it it feels comforting to me that know that, that to know that the body knows when a pregnancy is just so unviable that it does, you know, naturally, I guess what the the best thing is for, for the baby. Yeah. Uh, And, um, I can't, but I still can't imagine what that's like. I, I, if you're open to talking about it, you can, but I'm not going to ask you any direct questions about what it's like to go through that.
1: I lost a child, yeah. so it was because we like we already knew because we still thought we could save it. So we knew what she was. She was going to be a girl. We had a name picked out. We bought things because we still had the hope. I mean, we didn't like we weren't thinking that anything was going to happen like that so we were invested and in, I mean I was five six months pregnant so I was we were thinking that we're <laughs> pretty much there so it was it was devastating I had a I had a hard time for a while and when that time of the year came up again this year it was hard but the way that we're looking at it or at least I try to look at it is that without her who knows when I would have been diagnosed And who knows how I would have been diagnosed, maybe I would have gone into DKA and like gone into a coma or something. And it could have been a lot worse. And I could have died. There's so many stories about people not being diagnosed correctly or soon enough. So she's kind of my guardian angel. Now,
0: you have to look for the good in a situation like this, right? Or it'll haunt you.
1: Dancing for Diabetes spreads awareness through the art of dance to better educate the community, raise funds to find a cure, and inspire those with diabetes to live healthy and active lives.
0: You can find out more about Dancing for Diabetes using the links in the show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. You can also go visit them on Facebook or Instagram or just type dancing4diabetes.com into your browser. I feel like we had to talk about that to, to set the stage for what's happening. Yeah. I don't want to dwell in, in that because there's a lot of good news for you. Mm-hmm. How long did you wait before you started to try to get pregnant again?
1: Just over a year and a couple months, we waited okay. from when we lost her.
0: Right. From the time that you lost the, the first baby until you decided to try again, it's about a year. Now, did you use that year to try to understand your diabetes? Is that what you were doing then?
1: Um, well, by the time I went to, well, yeah, I was trying to use it to, to manage my diabetes mm-hmm. from when I was diagnosed, my A1C was 12.5. And then three months later, when I got checked again, it was 5.8. So I kind of like, was trying to get the hang of things. And then it was just kind of figuring things out and making sure that everything was okay. And I could eat what I want. And like, because that was a big thing too. My husband and I went through this whole thing where we were standing at the grocery store and I started crying because I was like, I don't know what I can eat here. <laughs> and I was I was freaking out about that. Yeah. So it was kind of just figuring out how I can eat what I want to eat, but still keep the numbers that I want to see.
0: And were you dealing with the... Um, I'm assuming you had an endocrinologist at that point. Yeah. And, right. And But were you also with like in discussions with the OB about what they wanted for, like as far as a one C and control for your next. Yeah.
1: So after everything, that was one of the things I did ask them because I knew that eventually we were going to want to try again. And they said that I think they said that they just wanted my, my a one C under six and she would be comfortable with us trying again. But she told me that before we wanted to try again, um, that I needed to come see her just, I think it was just to be like, hey, this is what my A1C is. This is how I'm doing. And then her to kind of give the okay. Yeah. And my my endo is really great. He I think I think he was said like under 7, he would be fine, but me being crazy, I'm like we're going to go with the under 6 thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And have you heard Jenny talk about um Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is the I think that is the understanded you know, kind of accepted ideas that under six is what you're shooting for. And very and low variability. No, no bouncing yeah. around blood sugars and stuff like that. Um okay, so you achieved all that and you you did the fun part again. And um <laughs> how long did it take you to get pregnant when you decided to start trying?
1: Um I think it took us three months. And I think it finally happened because I stopped stressing about it. Cause I was like, I don't know. I'm just a stressed person. So I'm like Every time it didn't happen, I was freaking out. Like, is there, is, cause last time it happened like really fast. So when it didn't happen right away this time, I kind of thought maybe there was something with the type one that kind of was preventing things. But after I stopped stressing out, it happened. So
0: well, don't you. stress. I, I, well, <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, stay calm. Yeah, I I, it's I always feel bad for the guys when it happens quickly, because, you know, at least in the back of their heads, there's going to be like this nice long time, you know, where like every couple of days she's like, you know what we should do? And you're like, yes, I do. I've been waiting for you to say this. And then, you know, then you do it the first time. Like, I'm pregnant. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this isn't fair. It's like winning the Super Bowl in your first season. ruins It It just ruins everything. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, but I have to look forward to now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, a baby, that's well, what. <laughs> all right, listen.
0: I yes, of course, but you know, I meant this part is now it got done kind of quickly. Uh conceived Arden in a uh on a sofa in the basement right before trick-or-treating. So <laughs> yeah. right, so my son was, you know, however old he was, my mother was over, that's how young my son was. My mom was there to go at the house to go uh trick or treating with us. It was back when our kids were so small that people would like, you know, change towns to be like, oh, I want to see him in his costume. (laughs) And my wife and I, uh, Kelly and I are steadfastly trying to accomplish one of the only things in the world we've ever planned, which was, (laughs) which was getting pregnant with Arden at a certain time so that she could have a summertime birthday.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally. (laughs) You you. have to think about when the birthday is going to (laughs) be.
0: I am honestly telling you, I think we've only planned two things in our life. And that was one of them. So we're like, Cole's getting into his costume and my mom's there and my wife goes, hey, you know, we got (laughs) to, um, I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah." like probably now before we go out, my mom is here. And I was (laughs) like, do we send her outside? That seems odd, right? Like, you know, and like what to do? And she goes, oh no, I know what to do and i'm like yeah all right so i don't even know what kelly's doing kelly turns to my mom and she goes hey could you just watch cole for a second uh, scott and i have to go downstairs and get some stuff for trick or treating
1: <sighs>
0: so literally poor ardens like con- you know conception stories like the extra sofa you know the one you're like oh it's too nice to get rid of <laughs> but not nice enough to be in the living room anymore uh yeah. and my wife being like hurry up before your mom figures out what's going on <laughs> very loving uh anyway uh, <laughs> I don't feel weird telling it. I think I wrote about it in my book. Congratulations. Very exciting. Pregnant again. When did that happen? When did you know you were pregnant? Because we're going to start kind of putting dates in this one a little bit.
1: Um, I think we found out in July.
0: July of 2019, you found out you were pregnant again.
1: Yeah, it was right before my husband's birthday.
0: Oh, happy birthday to him. Uh, My birthday also in July. Oh, yeah? I'm, I'm just saying. I'm the 12th. When is he exactly?
1: The 15th. And my sister's the
0: 13th, so. We're all connected.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: By being born. So you found out in July of 2019, you and I are speaking for the first time in September. Actually, today is September 5th, 2019. Again, something that I've uh, actually planned. Again, not something I do very frequently, but I, th- I said mm-hmm. to Sam, what if, Samantha, excuse me, I, you know what, here's <laughs> the problem. In the recording right here, I typed your name in as Sam. And so when I look up, I'm going to change it because when I look up, I see Sam and then it goes into my head. So Samantha and I were talking and I said, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we spoke after every kind of trimester and then postpartum, maybe three months after you had the baby and Sam, again, the glutton for punishment said, yes. So here we are, July, August, September, and we're talking. So have you had your, how many times have you been back to the OB at this point?
1: Um, we, I've. Three times. Okay. I've been there. The first time was a little like, like emergency visit because I was having cramping and bleeding. So my OB was like, can you come in right now just to make sure the pregnancy was in the uterus? So that was really quick, but I got to hear the heartbeat. And then we had our official first ultrasound and they did all the blood work. And then we went again last week for just like a check-in ultrasound. Gotcha.
0: And things are going the way you would expect.
1: Yeah. I mean, at this, I mean, I don't know how much you can tell there's a baby in there and it looks like a baby now and the doctor says everything looks good. So. That's
0: wonderful. The first pregnancy's lost because of the, the high blood sugar, it had nothing to do with you or anything else.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, they can't say for sure, but we did all the testing, like all the blood tests. We did an amniocentesis and everything came back normal. So they said the only thing that they can think of is that it was because of the undiagnosed diabetes.
0: But I'm assuming even though that's been said to you, there's a lot of anxiety.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Have you? Had, sure. Are you still dealing with that or does it get easier as time goes?
1: I think it will get easier when we get to past the point that we got last time. So once I hit like 26 weeks, I think maybe I'll calm down a little bit.
0: And that's an... An arbitrary distance that you've set in your head. Yeah. Right. It's not something the doctor said to you.
1: Right. No, no. The doc, I mean, the doctor hasn't said anything to make us think that anything will be wrong. Mm -hmm. So, but it's just me in my head.
0: Are you um, superstitious as a
1: teacher? In in what way?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Like the account (laughs) steps or like, you know. Oh, no. No, no. So this is just something that. Because I I did something similar, um, setting an arbitrary date for myself. Like when Arden was diagnosed, I said to myself, in a year, it'll be better. Like in a year, I'll understand. And I took it so literally in my own mind, even though I'd never shared it out loud with anybody, that on the anniversary of her diagnosis, when I wasn't super great at taking care of type 1 diabetes, like, oh my gosh, what a letdown. You know what I mean? Like like we got (laughs) to the year and it didn't happen. Um, so I just reset my clock. I was like, you know, it's probably two years. That's probably how it is. (laughs) Um, but but it is interesting how we do that. Like we just like, Oh, if I make it this far, if we do this, I talk about health that way in my personal life. I'm always like, I, you know, like there's, uh, I don't know, uh, like goals in my mind, like, oh, if you make it to 21, that's good. You know what I mean? If you don't get really sick yeah. before you're 30, that probably means you might not get cancer until you're 60. <laughs> like, like all these stupid things that have nothing to do with reality.
1: Whatever um, makes you feel better, though. Exactly.
0: Like whatever you can tell yourself. So you've, yeah, so you've said, okay, I want to get past I'll maybe I'll feel better there. Yeah. What does that mean day to day? Like, do you wake up every day worried? Or for the most part, are, are you free and easy?
1: It's not like I'm worried constantly. I think if I think too much about it and what happened, then I start getting worried. Like currently we, last time I was at the doctor, we did, they did took my blood to do the, the screening testing. And like, even though everything came back fine for the last pregnancy and they told us the chances of something not coming back fine this time are really low. Like I'm still like, just like waiting for something to be wrong almost, which sounds so bad, but it's just that's kind of how my mind works. So luckily I have my husband, he's like the positive one. So he balances me out, but it's just, if I think about it too much, that's when I start freaking out.
0: Sort of overwhelms you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the good news is, is that uh, towards the end of the pregnancy, you won't be able to think at all, so it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the energy or the wherewithal to worry about anything. You'll just be like, look at me, baby, it's coming. It's fine. So yeah. Like, Somebody paint that room, please.
1: Scramble to get ready yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for it
0: to come. Oh, please. You get that placenta brain at some point, and like you just, <laughs> I, used to, I looked at people before, I was like, Kelly was such a bright person before I got her pregnant. I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> yeah. She snapped back out of it. Let's talk about the diabetes a little bit. Okay. I'm assuming you've set sort of goals for yourself. Have you made adjustments to your diet? Have you like, what is it you're doing to keep your A1C where you want it to be? And how are you accomplishing it?
1: When I first was diagnosed, I started with my range being like 70 to 180. And I just progressively lowered it because I mean, I did a lot of research, so I know what like normal blood sugar should be, mm-hmm. and I figured if mine was as close to that as possible, then that would be good so current before I was pregnant, my range was seventy to one thirty, and I was staying in range pretty much ninety percent of the time um, and when I got pregnant, I changed it to eighty to one twenty, so that's what I'm going off of now, and I don't really i mean. I limit what I eat to the point of like, if my blood sugar is high, I'm not going to eat like a piece of bread because I don't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But if usually when my, like, I mean, I don't really have too much issue with my blood sugar. So I kind of just eat what I want, but I don't eat things like, I don't remember the last time I had cereal just because every time I try that it goes really bad and I don't really want to put the effort into figuring it out. Right. I don't, I don't eat pasta very often, but I eat like I eat different things that kind of substitute for pasta.
0: Is this any different, really, than what you were doing prior to this pregnancy? Like, with no, of, no, you're just sort of yeah. continuing on with what you found worked for yourself.
1: Yeah, I kind of think even like I thought I was gonna get a lot more strict with what I was eating when I found out I was pregnant, but I think I've gotten a little bit more lax because like of my cravings. So. I never ate bread before I got pregnant again, but I've been craving bread. So I have bread almost every day. And I figured out how to bolus for it. So everything's been fine.
0: Plus, you get to say things like, the baby wants bread.
1: Yeah, I do. I use that a lot.
0: I don't listen. (laughs) I don't know why you would not. Um, (laughs) My wife said that when she was pregnant with my son, she wanted like junky food. Like it was like fast food. I've been craving carby food. And then with Arden, it was all fruits and vegetables. Oh, that was she. It was a completely different feeling, and she never felt in control of either of the feelings. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's it's really really interesting. Meanwhile, um, our kids don't eat fast food, so it's not like it like stuck to them. I don't think it was a you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're training them, Uh, but it was really was really something else uh, to watch the cravings come and for her not to be able to explain them and then do that. Now I you know she didn't have to think about doing insulin with that. My next question is, I don't want to freak you out. Like, I don't want to say something where where Samantha's like, I never thought of that. Wow, Scott, thanks. Um, (laughs) No,
1: you can ask me whatever. It's fine.
0: (laughs) I know for an adult, especially someone living by themselves, now you're not by yourself, you're with your husband, I'm assuming you're not always together. He's probably out right now feeling the weight of the world, trying to make as much money as he can to send (laughs) that baby to college. How much do you think about, I can't get disabled with a low blood sugar because I'm pregnant?
1: Um, It doesn't really, I mean, I worry about it. We have like, my husband gets um like alerts when my blood sugar goes below a certain amount. And we have, I have the Sugar Mate app. So it sends him my location if it gets like urgently low. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't really have lows often enough where I'm like worried about it. And since my, my low alarm is set at 80, I'm pretty like, I get on, I get, I'm on
0: top of it. Arden was dehydrated yesterday, and that's important. Well, you'll see why in a second. First of all, you should know that this is an ad for the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and that you can get it by going to Dexcom.com forward slash juice Okay, let's get back to the story. For about three and a half hours yesterday afternoon, Arden was completely dehydrated. We couldn't get her rehydrated. And we were using a lot of insulin to keep her blood sugar somewhere in check. But it was high. So we finally got her hydrated, got her blood sugar down. But I knew in the back of my head, this is gonna come back to bite us sometime tonight when she's sleeping. And sure enough, it did. As a matter of fact, Arden's blood sugar fell pretty quickly after she fell asleep and it got dangerously low. How did I know that happened? Her Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor sent me an alert right to my iPhone. A couple of quick beeps told me, hey, you should wake up, Scott. Something's not right. I went to Arden, treated her blood sugar, made adjustments to her insulin, and watched her blood sugar come back up to a safe range without getting high, which allowed me to go back to sleep and sleep the rest of the night comfortably. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, Go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and get started today. There are also links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Please remember that these results are personal and yours may vary. I was alerted through Dexcom Follow, which is available for iOS and Android. Supported phones are listed at dexcom.com. I am genuinely not sure where we would be some days without the Dexcom. I hope you give it a try. Have you ever had a bad low? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know what it is to... to feel like to death. That yeah. And <laughs> were, were you so low when that happened that you couldn't help yourself or...
1: No, I've never been to the point where I can't help myself. Okay. I've never um, like passed out or anything.
0: Are you having any weird fluctuations with your blood sugar now that you're pregnant? Like highs or lows that you can't explain?
1: Uh, yeah, my basil has changed a ton. I use, um, the loop with Omnipod. Okay. So that's been really helpful. Um, and when I was right before we found out and like right after we found out for a couple weeks, my basil was up like 50% and then that stayed like that for a few weeks. And now I think I'm getting into the, I heard like in your early pregnancy, you start getting lows. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to get in like this last weekend, my basil was down 50% than normal. So I'm starting to get into the, I just, I constantly change my basil.
0: I was going to say you made it, you made a change to your basil rate on your own. You were like, I'm cutting this in half.
1: Oh yeah. I do everything myself. My, my endo trusts me a lot.
0: That's excellent. That's really cool. Where, what, you don't have to tell me exactly where, but what part of the country? You're on the West Coast. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I'm in Orange County, California.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Samantha's giving me her address. We know exactly where she's is. <laughs> okay. So do you have, are you working?
1: Yeah. I work full time and I go to, I do school also.
0: Oh, wait, hold on. You work full time and you're in school?
1: Yeah. But my school is online. I do ASU's online program.
0: Okay. And what are you trying to, uh, what are you getting a degree in?
1: I am graduating in uh, next month. Actually, I have one month left and I'll get, have my, um, BA in Spanish.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Now what do you, because let me tell you why I say that my son is a sophomore in college and has been taking Spanish at a high level, like AP and like all that Spanish since Mm -hmm. I think he was in eighth grade and uh, speaks almost no Spanish. (laughs) Is that common?
1: Um, I don't know. I really like Spanish. So like, I just fell in love with the language when I was in high school. I had a really great Spanish teacher for one of my years. So I really like it. I, I don't like to tell people I can speak Spanish, but I can hold my own. I don't like the pressure. That's yeah. why
0: oh, so you don't want to like screw up in front of somebody who's like, well, I actually yeah, speak I, Spanish. So let's, let's hear I, it.
1: I get really nervous. Yeah. Oh no.
0: Neither. So if I said to you right now, To introduce yourself and say that you have type 1 diabetes and you're pregnant in Spanish, would you start getting freaked out?
1: Yeah, like I would probably forget how to speak English.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are you hoping to do with the degree? I hope it's not speak Spanish. (laughs) Um, Well,
1: originally when I first started going to school, um, I wanted to be a teacher. So... That was my plan. But now I work for a law firm and I really, really enjoy that. So I like my job. So I'm going to stick with my job. And then after I'm done with my bachelor's, I'm going to get my paralegal certificate most likely. And then I told my husband that like down the line, like when we've had our kids and they're like older and stuff, maybe I'll go to law school or something. But we'll see. I always change my mind.
0: Well, at least you'll always have Spanish. Which yeah. I think is a really big deal. My, my son's like, I'm not going to take it this semester. And I was like, I said, okay. And I, I, I said, are we getting away from this? Because you've been after it for a long time. And he's like, yeah, I just, I'm not good at it. And I was like, well, you know, what do you mean? And then you look, his grades are excellent. So he can, he can test and like he, he does really well in the classes. And I think he speaks better than he believes he does.
1: Yeah, probably. But
0: But he just doesn't. I don't know if he's just nervous or embarrassed or I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's hard if you don't have anybody to practice with. Exactly, and he can't practice with me. So I, (laughs) I I, please. I mean, you guys have heard me speak. I don't speak English that well. Mm -hmm. But I said to him, I'm like, "How close are you to a minor in Spanish?" And then he said to me, he's like, "I am really close to it." I was like, "Yeah, you have to like, like you you can't keep going. Yeah, you can't like not take one more semester and and you know." And he's like, no, all, all right, I will. And I was like, okay. So hopefully he will. All right. So Samantha, real quick, just say your name and that you have type 1 diabetes in Spanish. Go. Uh,
1: me llamo Samantha y tengo diabetes tipo uno.
0: See? <laughs> did you
1: cry? Y estoy embarazada.
0: Did you start crying at all? Yeah. Are you <laughs> yeah, your heart fluttering? <laughs> I, just did it I mean, honestly just did the mess with you. I didn't really need you to say it. <laughs> sorry I'm sorry I feel like we're getting friendly you, you know what I mean <laughs> okay so Samantha now that you have diabetes and you're mm-hmm. having a baby have you had the thought I wonder if my baby will have diabetes
1: yeah I'm really worried about it because it's so expensive
0: <laughs> I like that that's so, why you thought of it it's it's really the cost is the, is the issue so it, it, tell, tell me how it makes you feel
1: I just like, I know that me having diabetes doesn't really, like, increase the chances all that much. But, I mean, we still worry about it. It's just, a lot, it's just a lot of work for me. And I know how I feel about it. And I feel like if I was doing it, like, I don't, like, for you doing your daughter's diabetes, like, I feel like that's so much responsibility and so much stress, like, because you don't want to mess them up. So I feel like my diabetes will be put on a back burner, and then that's all I'd be focusing on is them.
0: Interesting. Um, I can see that being a concern, and I can see, I can see that happening too. Um, but hmm, what I hear from most people who have diabetes as an adult and then go on to have a child who has type one um, is that the What's the word, I guess? The responsibility that they feel towards being a good, not just role, steward, model. role model and steward of their child's diabetes actually causes them to do better for themselves normally from what I've heard from people over and over again than than the opposite.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. But see, like my thing would be like, my kid's not going to know what my
0: blood sugars are. <laughs> you wouldn't want <laughs> them well, to know?
1: Well, they could know, but like, what if they don't? They'll be like, I- it doesn't matter what mine is. It matters what's yours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it'd be that thing like when your parents are being like hypocritical about something and, like, yeah. like you don't do this and you're like yo but you do that all the time like that kind of thing yeah that, but
1: i don't know i've been so my i've i've been so like on top of things i don't know how much i'll probably i probably say that i'm gonna get more lenient with mine but i'll probably be the exact same so it just like seeing a number above I'm crazy. When I see a number above like 140, 150, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to fix this right now.
0: Well, first of all, good. I think that's reasonable. I don't want you to be crazy about it, but I, I see wanting to get a blood sugar back down from 140. Arden's was stuck yesterday at like 170 for a while. And I, I was, you know, I was like was pull, I, pull, me crazy. pulling out all the big guns to get it down. Like, you, you know, like I didn't just look yeah. at it and think, oh, I hope this comes back. Like I was actively working towards it. Um, oh, I had a thought in my head and it just left me. That doesn't usually happen to me. This could be mm-hmm. this could be my end right here. I'm getting closer to fifty. Uh mm-hmm. you said about your blood sugar. Hold oh, hold on a second. I have to go backwards through my thoughts. Oh my god, I'm lost. <sighs> Damn Samantha, what did I just do? Um, okay. I'm sorry. I they
1: uh, If it's important you'll remember.
0: I is that what you say? Is that yeah. the, that's <laughs> how you make yourself feel better when you forget things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of um <laughs> I don't know if it comes across in the podcast, but I really don't plan ahead. So these hours are conversations, me hearing you and coming up with questions and saying things and you saying things in return. And when, when I don't know what I'm going to say next, I feel like, I feel like I failed you just now. Like I feel like we (laughs) should shut the recording (laughs) off and like be done with it. Like, Oh my gosh, Scott. So this, the, the podcast is done now. He can't, he can't think ahead of what he wants to say. Um, but I think that if you if you're the oh I remembered. I knew it. I knew I would remember. So I had a question for you. You said a second ago you keep thinking you're going to get more relaxed or laxed with your your care, but then you don't. What makes you think that you'll get more laxed about it as time goes on?
1: Um because like I don't know, I think that maybe I'll be okay with being under 150 instead of having to be under 120. But I mean, I don't know. I feel a difference like when I'm over 120 or if I'm under 100. Like, So like my body knows. So I don't think that I'll change it much. But like maybe when I'm dealing with chasing a kid around, if my blood sugar goes above 130, I won't like think, oh, I need to stop what I'm doing and fix this right now. I'll be like, I'll deal with it after this kid is dressed.
0: <laughs> ah, so you're, you're saying that you think that as life begins to build on itself and you have more and more things to do and less less time that the thing you might give away is a more your your blood sugar where you want it to be
1: yeah and it's not like I don't see myself ever like being okay with super high for my standards blood sugar but I mean being under 150 I could maybe see myself being okay with just
0: like now do you think that would be a a scenario where it was like, Hey, it's Tuesday and I'm really busy. And my blood sugar is 145 all day. And I just kind of didn't do anything about it. Or are you saying that you can see your blood sugar average of 145 being the norm for you every day of the week?
1: Oh, no, not, I don't think my average will ever be like that. I think just like in the moment, like I don't have time to focus on getting this I mean, if my blood sugar is at 145 all day, then there's something going on. Like right. it's being stubborn and I don't have the time to focus on what do I need to do to get it to come down. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you you just, you're saying run around chasing the kid one day, things are going crazy. I might not take a chance to bump my blood sugar with like a little quarter of a unit or a half a unit of insulin or something like that to try to like just move off of this number. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you are fairly, focused person when it comes to is this common for you in the rest of your life because you're talking about your blood sugar in a way that I think is you know is the way I talk about it but at the same time I think it's you're not a person looking to have higher blood sugars you can feel the difference you're looking for lower is that how you are in the rest of your life are you particular about things I don't know what the right word is
1: um I don't I don't
0: know because it's your health I guess is what I'm asking
1: yeah, I mean, I am when I want to do something in the other aspects of my life, I I'm like I put effort into that too, but I mean, I don't know, my husband probably will say that I'm very particular. But
0: So if uh if I'm reading a magazine and I toss it on the floor next to the sofa, how many times will you be able to walk past it before you either yell at me about it or pick it up?
1: Well, I'll ask first. <laughs> I'll be like, "Can you pick that up?" and then Usually my husband will be like, oh, I'll do it in a second. And then I'll be like, no, next time I walk by, I'm going to pick it up. (laughs) Gotcha. But I don't dwell on it. Like I just say it like I say my the things that I want him to do like out loud just so I can get it out of me. And then like if I end up having to do it, I just do it. And I don't like stay mad about it because what's the point of being mad about something stupid like that?
0: So after the last 90 seconds of this podcast, uh, every person should have to listen to before they get married. <laughs> because this is, I just, I'm, I'm, I imagine, pick my battles. I'm imagining my wife standing next to us being able to hear us right now, just nodding her head, like, oh, this girl understands completely about what to, what, what to do. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, so that's what I was wondering. And so I got it, I got it out of even kind of a sideways way. But you're not a person who would leave a magazine laying on the floor. You're not no. a person who's going to stare at a 145 and leave it there. I think, to be honest with you, you're going to find a way to make that adjustment even in a busy day. Um, you also might find that that busy day stops your blood sugar from being high like that. Maybe that extra running around and, and being busy will kind of naturally help you, you know, that exercise will, as Jenny talks about, like open the doors to the cells and let out the sugar. Yeah.
1: And let your That's one thing I am worried about. I'm not worried about low blood sugar right now, but I'm really worried about it when we have kids. Cause like, I can't be un- like, I can't pass out from having low blood sugar when I have like a three-year-old in the room with me. Cause I'm going to be alone with the kid every once in a while. I mean, it's inevitable being a parent. So that's what I am worried about.
0: I'm imagining all the day drinking moms right now who are like, Oh, <laughs> don't worry. They're fine for a couple of minutes. If you go unconscious, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I, I, um, I, I have a hard time trying to put myself in the shoes of a person who has that situation in their life. I can't imagine what that feels like because I am very, uh, you know, I've been a stay-at-home dad for coming up on 20 years now. And I take my job with my kids incredibly seriously. And yeah. so, um, you know, not only would you not want to be – I'm assuming you don't want your kid to see you incapacitated. That's the first thing. You yeah. also don't want them – you know, you don't want to wake up a half an hour later and the kid's riding the dog and, you know, <laughs> up and down the stairs. And you're like, oh, what else has happened while I've not been taken? Because it's going to feel like even though it's completely – I don't want to say it's out of your control, but, but even though it's a medical scenario where, you know, you didn't do it on purpose, right? Like mommy didn't grab like two glasses of wine and decide to take nappy in the middle of the afternoon. Like you passed out from a low blood sugar. It's still going to feel like it's going to feel like you let them down. Like I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And usually when I get like lows, it's because I did something wrong. Either I gave myself too much insulin or I, I, it's. Usually, when I have low blood sugar, it's because I messed up. So.
0: So you don't see a lot of lows that you can't trace a reason for.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's usually because I, I, I didn't know how many carbs I was eating, so I overbolus. Is usually why I get low blood sugar.
0: Gotcha. Have you um, have you experienced any honeymooning with the diabetes? No,
1: I wish I did. Do you really? That was yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I was just talking to somebody yesterday that wishes their kids' honeymooning would stop. So Oh uh,
1: my I feel like I had to get used to like using so much insulin because like the higher numbers kind of freaked me out. Oh. But um but now I'm kind of I'm a little bit past it. But sometimes I mean I give myself lots of insulin at once. But I don't know what lots of insulin is. What's what's lots a, of insulin for me? Is, yeah,
0: right. Yeah. What's a number that makes you feel like, wow, I just gave myself a lot of insulin?
1: if I get to 10 or more, that's when I feel a little bit uneasy and I usually break it up. Even though I know I need that much for what I'm eating.
0: I get that. I get that. I didn't quite do that yesterday with Arden, but I, I got to a number where I was like, what if she doesn't eat all this? And I don't usually feel like that, but she was, you know, um, She had left, uh, I know some people know that when we leave doctor's appointments, Arden gets like chicken and waffles after doctor's appointments, usually that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so there was chicken and waffles and there was something else. But then she usually does this thing where she just has a little bit of the chicken and then halfway through the waffles goes, oh, I'm so full.
1: (laughs) She's like, no, you're not.
0: Arden has a thing. She calls it. (laughs) She says, I hit a limit. So, but she doesn't know it's coming. It's so vile. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on here or not. But she'll be, you know, laughing and having lunch and having a great time, big fork full of waffle. And this happened yesterday. And the fork full of waffle goes in her mouth and she takes about three, like, chews on it and then grabs a napkin and puts it in a napkin and goes, oh, I almost threw up. And I was like, what happened? I'm like, what happened? And she goes, I've hit my limit. And she's she's not kidding. She's not kidding. She feels like she's gotten to a spot where, like, that's it. I shouldn't eat anymore. And it... It uh, it physically like changes how she feels when she hits that spot. So I...
1: And then I, what do you do if you already bolused for everything? Do I, you just shut off her basil? Um,
0: you know, in that situation, I already kind of did a little less thinking that the limit oh, okay. thing would happen. Um, but it turns out I still didn't do enough. I was still bolusing 20 minutes later. I was like, oh, this is way too much. Because, oh, you know, okay. it wasn't, it, because it's one of those places that doesn't have sugar-free syrup.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's she's eating like, You know, it's a waffle with yeah, sponge sugar on top of it and all this stuff. (laughs) And um, but what would I do in a normal scenario? Yeah, I would completely take away basal insulin. uh, Try to trade out some of the you know the bolus for basal if I could. Um, you know, start you know paying more attention. Yeah, you know, test with a meter to make sure that the CGMs you know giving me good information that I can really work with. Like, start getting a little more careful.
1: Yeah, is the Dexcom pretty accurate for you guys? It like, is. Like, on
0: yeah. a normal basis. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, you know, I think most people talk about the first day as being a little, like, it can be shaky. I find mm-hmm. it's more like the first hours. Like, oh, I, don't really? ha- I don't have trouble through the whole first day. Um, and usually <laughs> what trouble means, mostly, is that it's off by, you know, like, usually like 30, 40 points in the yeah. first couple hours when, you know, when that... That wire, I call it a wire. I don't know if that's the right, you know, the sensor wire um, mm-hmm. is still sort of getting, I guess, wet with your interstitial fluid. Right? It's, yeah. it's still kind of soaking in and, and finding a balance. That's not a technical description of how the Dexcom works, but <laughs> but um,
1: I love the Dexcom. Isn't it? Wonderful? I it, I yeah. I when I don't when it's not working, it's just like the end of the world for me. <laughs> like,
0: where'd, like where'd my best friend go? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: I really technology is my best friend. I can't ima- I like can't even fathom being diagnosed in like
0: 1980. Yeah, no it's hard to it's hard to think about. It. I do love Arden's meter though. She has a meter that uh, she uses the um Contour Next 1 and Oh,
1: I like that one.
0: It's really the accuracy is insane and <laughs> it matches up with the G6 almost perfectly. Yeah. So I I have a lot of comfort that comes from that because it is, I mean, I don't think I'm talking out of school. I think it is the best rated blood sugar meter as far it as it
1: is. As I did I'm research concerned. about it. Right.
0: And so I'm using that and it matches up with the G6 so often, which gives me a lot of confidence in the G6. You know, you know what I mean? So yeah, even on that first day, if her numbers are matching my expectation, even I still kind of go with it because it's the first day. Uh, the, yeah. but the minute something like happens on that first day of a new G6 sensor where you're like this doesn't make any sense then I check. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we test except for around a low, you know, after the first day. She probably doesn't test for the next 9 days maybe 3 or 4 times.
1: Yeah, my Endo, he said that he trusts the Dexcom over the blood the the meter every single time. So I did like a little test where I did not test my blood sugar with my meter. Mm-hmm. Like I did it maybe once a week through the three month period yeah. to see what the um like the estimates on that the app gives you compared to what my A1C was and it was like right on. Yeah. So
0: I I, I it's have, amazing. That's how I think about it too. Like when people are like, you know, when when G6 first came out, they're like, "Is it accurate?" I'm like, "Well, I'll be able to tell you after like a first a full three months and an A1C. Like you know, yeah. does the A1C match what the CGM's been telling me? And it it really does. So. No, yeah. please. It's, you know, I talk about it all the time, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not very good at this without that CGM, I don't think. Honestly, too, it's taught me so much. Yeah. That when it's gone, and I think uh, this will happen for you at some point, those like two hour warm up periods and stuff like that, you're not as lost. Because yeah. you have such good, like, historical data about what happens that you can kind of picture it in your head sometimes. Like, I know yeah. what's happening right now. It's a very it's- cool feeling.
1: It's crazy. When I was first diagnosed, I was using Novolog and I saw how long it took. Sometimes I would pre-bolus an hour and it would still I would still get the spike. And so I like went to my endo and I was like freaking out. I was like I I like my blood sugar is going up. Like it's spiking so much and I I don't know what to do. Do I like I can't eat anything without spiking and then he changed my insulin and like it's been
0: Change. Without the Dexcom,
1: I wouldn't have known.
0: Yeah, changing your actual like like insulin.
1: Yeah, I I use Viasp now.
0: Ah, okay, and that's working better for you.
1: It's amazing. Yeah, I love it.
0: Good for you. That's excellent. Arden uses a Pedra, and it's it's a, yeah. it's perfect for us. So, um, I'm very happy that we found that because we were in the same situation um, years ago where. Uh, no vlog, all I ever saw were like two hours up and two hours down. And it was just mm-hmm. constantly like that. And one day someone said to me, you know, why don't you try a different insulin? And it was so long ago that that, I was like, wow, I could just do that. I'm like, yeah, just try, yeah. <laughs> try a different insulin. I was like, okay, which one do you use? And then, and then I was like, all right, I'll try that one. And, yeah. uh, and sure enough. It's
1: crazy it, how different insulins affect people differently.
0: Yeah, you absolutely have to. You have to remember that the, the, you know, the first anything that someone put in your hand is just the thing that they thought to give you. It doesn't, I used to think like Novolog was insulin because it was given to us at the hospital when she was diagnosed and, you know, there's other insulins. So um, you can, you can, you can try different things. It's your, it's your diabetes. It's your life. Exactly. All right, Sam. So how did this go for you?
1: It went well, I think. Did the recording, did I stop making the noise on the microphone? You
0: did. Were you thinking about it the whole time?
1: Yeah, I've been holding the microphone out. (laughs) Now
0: I'm part of your neuroses. I feel bad about this. (laughs) So it's fine. (laughs) So we are going to, if you're, um, it seems like you had a good time. So I'm going to put this up. I don't normally do this. This is going to go up next. Oh, okay. This is going to go up on Tuesday.
1: Oh, wow. That's what I was going to ask you. Everyone's been asking me. My family's very excited about this. (laughs)
0: tell them I'm excited too. Thank you very much. I um, I want I guess I just told them. But uh I want it to be in real time with our conversations. Okay. So I would like I'm going to have this one go up and then a few months from now we're, you and I are we're already booked out. We have them all, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I booked them all out cuz I'm a planner.
0: I could see this by the way. <laughs> I like that though cuz you're going to really you're going to be, you know, you're going to be bringing the, your A game. So we're going to I'm going to put this up this week. Uh, and then three months from now, we're going to talk again and again, and you're going to get more and more and more pregnant and closer to having your baby. And and we'll (laughs) get to do that. Will you, will you tell the world what sex your baby is on this podcast or will you keep that?
1: Yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to find out. We'll probably know next week. So next time we talk, we'll know.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. And is there any chance we're going to call the baby Scott? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, well, if it's a boy, we already know what it's going to be named. My husband really wants a boy. Uh, I'll have to tell you how disappointed he is next time we
0: talk. Okay. So if it's a, if it's a girl that this story is going to be, hey, the pregnancy is going great. I'm having a little girl. My husband and I have separated. No. You won't overreact like that?
1: Definitely not. You know, no, he's say, really excited. My wife would
0: say <laughs> as long as he sends the money, it's fine. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> So now so, I hate him. You, so we should say your husband's name. We haven't done that.
1: His name is Wayne.
0: Okay. So Wayne really wants a boy.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I want it to be healthy, but I was in a mindset for a girl last time. So I'd like a girl
0: okay. just cause
1: I bought a lot of girl stuff. So the boy's going to be wearing pink.
0: <laughs> why does Wayne want a boy? Do you know? Um, he said why.
1: I don't know. Don't, don't dads always want boys.
0: I don't know. I like their my little
1: the little boy to play. We're a really big baseball family. So your son playing baseball is really cool. Oh, okay. And if our kid doesn't want to play baseball, we'll be very sad.
0: <laughs> See how I get to act all like it doesn't matter what you have, but my son does play baseball in college. So I am getting I am getting what I wanted and get to act like it would have been fine if it didn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, we love baseball. That's how we pick our trips. We're trying to visit all the baseball stadiums.
0: Do you really Oh, that's
1: Yeah, beautiful. we just went to Arizona last week to go see We're Padres. I'm a Padres fan cuz I'm from San Diego, but my husband's from Orange County, so he's a Dodgers fan. Okay. So we always go and see them play when we go travel.
0: How um happy are you with um
1: a Dodgers fan?
0: No, no, no <laughs> the, as a Padres fan, how happy are you that you got um Oh my god, what's his name?
1: Manny Machado? Yeah, Machado. Eh I think we spent too much money on him.
0: I was so happy when the Phillies didn't take him.
1: Oh man, yeah, he's just too expensive. I think
0: Bryce Harper's been good. I'm, so, I'm happy that he's the one we got out of this. He's got 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 30 something else. He's doing
1: yeah. He's doing really See, I, it's it's so sad, and Padres is just like I'm just a Padres fan for life. But in October, I transfer over to being a Dodgers fan because so
0: that you can continue to watch baseball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The idea of going to different stadiums, I really like. I am hamstrung in this area, so while you're excited that my son plays baseball, my son is such a baseball player; he doesn't particularly enjoy watching baseball.
1: Oh, really? That's interesting. I get it.
0: Yeah, he says when he's exactly.: I used to
1: play. Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, no,
0: please go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just gonna say I used to play softball growing up, and I hate watching softball
0: because you feel like you should be playing.
1: Maybe that's it. I never really knew why. I would just. I, would, I guess it's just I would rather be playing, so I don't like why watch it. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Nicole <laughs> says the entire time he's at a baseball game, he just thinks, "I wish I was playing baseball." Oh, I'm
1: sure your husband does that too. Did he but... play? Did he? Did yeah, run? he played. He played at SDSU.
0: Nice. So he wants to teach a kid how to like throw and hit. Yeah,
1: he was a pitcher. He's really excited.
0: What for... do you do? What do you do? Right, this this baby comes out. It's a boy. Wayne names him. You know after his favorite baseball player kid trips he over does. his own feet, isn't athletic at all. What do you think Wayne does? He just,
1: we, we just cut our losses and leave him try in the and ball.
0: try Some, again. Yeah. Just like, Hey buddy, <laughs> you, go ahead. Hopefully head, he
1: can play over instrument. to the
0: food court. and We'll be there in a minute. And then, uh, and that's it after all this work, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gl- Samantha, <laughs> no. I'm glad you have a good sense of humor. This could have gone so many different ways. I never look into people far enough to figure out how it's going to go. Um, <laughs> I think that's why the podcast ends up being fun is because it's – because I really don't know who you are when we start talking. I think if I pre-planned it too much and found out too much about you um, – There
1: would be no questions to ask because wouldn- you already knew. It
0: wouldn't be good. Like There was an episode a while ago where the person was just so like loving and, and – um, and just like a wonderful soul. And as I was talking to her, I just thought, this is so nice. I'm glad I didn't know this about her when we started talking. Like it was interesting to find out while we were talking, you know? And you have a great sense of humor because you obviously have been through something terrible and it's impacting you, but you're not letting it stop you. And I think that's fantastic.
1: Yep. I'm really I mean, excited if, we're if doing this. you don't laugh about it, then you're just gonna cry. So
0: yeah. I'm super <laughs> excited that we're doing this. Thank you so much. I um, I Yeah, I, thank you. I hope you enjoy it when it comes out. And I can't wait to talk again.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. You have to learn how to say some stuff in Spanish for me. Like, you know, you're listening to the juice box podcast and stuff like that. I think this is going to be a terrific ride with Samantha. I hope you agree. Thanks so much to Dexcom and Dancing for Diabetes for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox Podcast. You can find links to them and all of the podcast sponsors in your podcast app at juiceboxpodcast.com and, of course, by typing them into the browser, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, dancing the number four, diabetes.com. You know what else is available at juiceboxpodcast.com? Merchandise, t-shirts, flip-flops, stuff like that. Fun stuff that says Pre-Bolus, Juicebox Podcast, Bold with Insulin. You go look, you'll see. And don't forget a new private forum right there on Facebook where you guys can talk. This is a private space where you can discuss how things are going, ask questions of other listeners, talk about today's episode or past episodes, whatever you want. The only real rules are be nice, be human, be helpful.